Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we once again think about life in this world and how unstable it can be from time to time. The plans that we make seem to not quite work out the way that we want to. Life can throw us one curveball after another. Maybe it feels like the ground beneath us is falling away and that's why God's promises are such a blessing. Because where our life in this world is unstable, we have something steady, something firm and sure. And that's the foundation that God gives us in the promises in his word. Today, we'll see how God lifts us up when we are weak. That picture of an eagle in Isaiah chapter 40 is something we can relate to, isn't it? Because if you've seen an eagle, and I'm sure all of you have, it is a majestic bird. But perhaps you know this from fifth grade history or maybe even a trivia night that you went to one time. That uh, the eagle almost wasn't our national bird. Did you know that someone suggested that a turkey be our national bird instead? I bet somebody out there knows who that was. Who was it? Yeah, Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin actually wanted the national bird to be a turkey. Wow, can you imagine? Can you imagine what other countries might have thought about the strength of the United States if the turkey was our national bird instead of the eagle? I mean, the eagle soars, it flies, it's powerful, and the poor turkey can barely get off the ground. Thanksgiving dinner certainly would be different if our national bird was a turkey, I'm guessing. And it's interesting that no one ever uses the word eagle to insult other people, but if you're called a turkey, I'm not sure that's the greatest compliment. It's good that Jesus, in his word, God in his word, uses the picture of an eagle to remind us of the strength that he gives us, how he renews us when our batteries are low, when we feel a little bit weak and run down and tired in this life. And that's the truth we want to take. That firm foundation that we have in these promises of God today is God's promise that he lifts us up. And we want to see through Isaiah's words that, that there's sort of three phases to this path to God lifting us up. And at first we'll note that we may grow tired Secondly, we're going to see that it's God who is great. And then finally, how God himself renews our strength. I want to start with verse 27 again, because that, that's the first picture that we have of this path to being renewed in strength by God lifting us up. And it starts with recognizing where we're at, how we can't find that strength on our own. Listen to verse 27. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? To understand where these words are coming from in Isaiah, I'm going to back you up just a little bit. This is the history of the people of Israel, and they've been carried into captivity, into exile by the people of Babylon. We're talking about 586 B.C., somewhere in there, and the people, of Is the people of Judah have no longer, they no longer live in their homeland. They've been taken far away by the Babylonians. And as they sat in Babylon and thought about what they had done, they must have been filled with frustration, disappointment, even despair, because ultimately they had no one to blame but themselves. After all, God had told them time and time again through prophets that their disobedience would no longer be tolerated and that 
the enemy, the Bab Babylon was coming. And now they were away from home. But here's what's amazing. The first two words. The first two words of Isaiah chapter 40, as the people of Judah sit in exile, are the same word. Comfort. Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. You see, in the midst of their struggles, in the midst of their exhaustion, in the midst of their frustration and disappointment, that's what God wanted to bring them. Can I ask you for your own benefit this week to read Isaiah chapter 40, the entire chapter? There is pictures, picture after picture in that chapter that demonstrate how God loves, how he wants to comfort his people. We're covering just a small portion of it in verses 27 to 31. But that picture, that in, in spite of their sin, in spite of their unfaithfulness, that God still would be faithful to his promises runs through the entire chapter. Because as the people of Judah were away from their homeland, as they were wondering what was in store for them next, these words of God would have brought them tremendous comfort. The comfort that God wanted them to have in the pictures that he provided. And I think about our lives. And I think... We don't have to be carried into exile to understand what the people of Judah were feeling, do we? Think about the circumstances in your life. Look around the world and, and aren't there many things that fatigue us, get us tired out, make us feel like, where's God? Does he really know what's going on in this world? Is he really active and stopping all the bad things from happening? What about our own lives? When we get frustrated or we experience pain or disappointment or loss, Where's God? We can have the same complaints as the people of Judah did. When they say God's hidden his face from us, God has disregarded us, he doesn't know what's happening in our lives. Have you felt that way? That if God really knew what he was doing, then maybe some of the things that I've experienced, some of the plans that have failed, some of this unsteady ground that I seem to be standing on would be made much more firm. We fall into the same trap, don't we? The trap of complaints, the trap of not understanding what God is doing, of thinking that somehow we might know better, and we need that comfort that God brought to the people of Judah, too. We're pretty familiar with the image on the screen, aren't we? If you've ever had a device that was running low on battery and you realized, I don't have anywhere to plug in, I didn't bring my charger. I'm somewhere where there isn't a charger. That's kind of a panicked feeling, isn't it? When the battery drains down to almost zero, you're, you're at 1% and wondering, how long can my phone hold on? Or maybe you have the type of device as you use it and you watch one little video on it and all of a sudden the battery is 40% lower than it was before, right? And you start thinking, oh, how am I going to make it through the day? If I asked you today, Where's your life at? Where's your battery life at in your own world right now? What would you say? 20%? 50%? I think about our students. It's now the middle of the semester, lots of things going on, all kinds of tests and projects and papers and things due, and I can imagine that your tank starts to feel pretty empty. Oh, maybe you have some good days. Maybe you have the days where you feel energetic and you're going to take on the world and then something happens to drain that battery really quickly. What about the job? Frustration at your work? 
frustration at home, health issues that you're dealing with, all kinds of things that can drain our batteries so quickly in this world that make us look and wonder, where's God? That's why we need to recharge. That's why we need to find the place to plug into. And Isaiah gives us the answer to where to plug in. As we look at verse 28, Isaiah is going to remind us how great God is and the power that our God has. We got to see it in the gospel lesson for today as Jesus not only walked on the water but allowed Peter to do so and, and then calm the storm. Listen to how Isaiah describes it in verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. It's an amazing picture that Isaiah paints. It's as if he's asking the people of Judah who are off in captivity to remember or, or maybe even relearn who it is that is their God, who it is that they worship, who is the one who is in control. And like the people of Judah, we tend to forget that too, don't we? Whenever we look inward, whenever we look to ourselves to think that we have to come up with the perfect plan or the perfect way to get out of the problems that we have in this life, and we don't look upward to God, we're making a mistake, aren't we? We're trusting in ourselves rather than the one who is all-powerful. We forget that there's nothing in this world that's too big for our God to handle. And Isaiah paints the picture with three distinct characteristics of God. He begins with the fact that God is everlasting or eternal. I know you know what that means, but we can't understand it, can we? It means God has no beginning, that he has no end, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that God is the one who has the big picture of our lives where, where we can only see a small part. God knows how it all fits together already. That's our eternal God. And then Isaiah goes on. He says that he's the creator of heaven and earth. He's the creator of all things. The God who put this world into existence simply by speaking, let there be, that's the God whose word is powerful in your life. His word can change hearts and lives. And then Isaiah lists one more characteristic of God. He says he never gets tired. He is an untiring God. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Because you and I know, don't we? We know what it feels like at the end of a busy day to put our head down on the pillow and, and, and get a good night's sleep. God doesn't need that. He is on duty as our God every second of every minute of every day. The fact that God never sleeps means he's watching out for you. He's in charge of all things and he knows what's best. Psalm 121 says it so well. He says, it says this, The Lord who watches over Israel, watches over us, will neither slumber nor sleep. That verse, verse 28 is Isaiah's way, it's God's way of, of reminding us, take a look. Take a look at how big your God is. The God that you serve, that nothing can stand in his way and that you are safe in his hands. But that's not it. That's not the end of what Isaiah wants us to know, the end of what God wants us to know. There's one more characteristic that comes out in the final three verses of our text and it's the care, the comfort, the love that God wants you to know. Here's what he says in verses 29 to 31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. 
They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Again, imagine how these words must have sounded to the people of, of Judah who were carried off into captivity. They could rely on God's strength. They could know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the God who cared about them so much to make a promise that a Messiah was coming was going to see them through the difficulty that they were in as they were away from home in captivity. They were waiting for God to fulfill his promise. It wasn't an easy wait. If you know a little bit about church history, it was 70 years before the people of Judah returned home to the homeland of Jerusalem. And so it is with us too, isn't it? There are times that God asks us to wait, to wait on him, to understand his promises, to put our hope in him, knowing that not a single one of his promises has ever failed. We sang that song earlier today, standing on every promise of God's word. They have all been fulfilled already or will be fulfilled because God is faithful. If you ever wonder, will God really do what he said? Will God really never leave me or forsake me? Will he really work all things for my good, even the bad things that are happening in my life? You don't have to look any further than the cross of Jesus. That's where Jesus showed weakness by taking on the sins of the whole world when he was really strong by paying the penalty for every sin, yours and mine. Jesus went to that cross so that we are freed from the guilt, from the shame, from the penalty of sin. It's what Jesus suffered for us so that we stand before God righteous, holy, blameless as his own children and he gives us that status. That's the precious promise that God has given us and so Isaiah can say, soar, soar as like on wings of an eagle. That picture of an eagle in flight is an amazing picture and that's the strength that those promises of the gospel lift us up to see. Run, Isaiah says, run and know that you will not grow weary and, and faint because the strength of your Lord goes with you. See, it isn't about getting enough sleep. It isn't about recharging a battery and being able to face the next day without Jesus. Because it's Jesus who gives that strength. It's Jesus who lifts us up when we are low. It's Jesus who renews our strength by reminding us who we are and what we have. And that's what's precious. The, the gospel message that you are forgiven in Jesus and that you have a life eternal with him is what we rely on to give us strength. Peter said it this way in his second epistle. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises. Hold on to the strength that Jesus gives you in those promises. Renew your strength daily in that word and know that God fulfills every promise. Some takeaways from the sermon today. Number one, we have a firm foundation even when we grow weary because God never tires. That's why Jesus can invite us to come to him when we are weary and burdened and he will give us rest. We can know that he provides rest for our souls. Secondly, we have a firm foundation because our God is greater than what makes us weary. It's how God can offer this to you, to, that we can come to him with any trouble. Cast that trouble on him and he will see us through. 
Finally, number three, we have a firm foundation because God renews our strength through his promises. When we see those precious promises of the gospel, that's when we are lifted up to soar like on wings of an eagle, to run and not grow weary, to walk and not be faint. Anytime I talk about technology, I'm always a little iffy because I'm not the most technological. But maybe you recognize the little end of the cord on the screen. It's called, if I'm not wrong, a USB-C connector. You might be familiar with it if you have a Samsung Galaxy or if you have a Nintendo Switch or maybe a MacBook Pro. You might also be familiar with it if you were part of the European Union. Because as of 2024, every device that's produced in the European Union has to have this connector for being able to charge the device. I suppose it makes sense if you've ever been somewhere where you have something that nobody has a cord that fits, it's quite frustrating, right? You're visiting someone's house or, or dorm room and, and your laptop or your phone is dra draining the battery and, and nothing there fits to charge your phone. That idea of, of one charger that's going to fit everything really is a good spiritual lesson too, isn't it? Don't we try to find all kinds of different ways to charge our batteries? Find all kinds of different ways to renew our strength? And sometimes those things can bring us momentary happiness, momentary rest. But there's really only one place to charge up. There's only one place to recharge, and that's in the strength that our Savior Jesus provides. It's he that lifts us up with those precious promises of the gospel, who reminds us that we're forgiven, who reminds us that we're heirs of eternal life, and that he's taking us there, a place where we'll be free from the frustration and the weariness of this life, and we will be renewed forever with him. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.